In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast which can be found on Google, iTunes, and TuneIn. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. It is October 24th, and Atlanta United has defeated Philadelphia 2-0 in the semifinals of the MLS Eastern Conference playoffs on goals from Julian Gressel, a nice little chipped effort, often assists from Pitti Martinez, and then Joseph Martinez in the 80th minute with a left-footed rocket into the upper left corner, that uh, Andre Blake may still be uh, feeling the uh, uh, what sort I'm looking for the wind from as it sailed past his outstretched arms. Um, it was Atlanta United's second consecutive shutout in the playoffs in their six and eight playoff games in franchise history. Um, Atlanta United will advance to host Toronto next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Game is on FS1. In the Eastern Conference Finals, if Atlanta United wins, it will get a chance to defend its MLS Cup won last year. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Longshore of 92.9 FM and SoccerDownHere.net, a online radio show which I hope uh, you will listen to. I know it can be found on Spreaker, among other platforms. All the different podcatchers that you might Go find podcasts on. I think we're on all of them. We're on Spotify and, and all the major ones. But you can also download our app. Um, just search soccer down here in the iOS or Android stores. Well, the, the first half, Atlanta United came out uh, in a different formation. One that they haven't started a game with in quite some time. I think they may have started one in the U.S. Open Cup with a four-man back line. I can't remember. But it was a four-man back line. Composed of Franco Escobar, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez, Flo Pogba, and Mikey Ambrose, who hadn't started a game since June and has only started two for the first team since mid-April. Uh, three-man midfield, Nagby, Lurinowitz, and Pitti, with Julian Gressel, Joseph, and Barco up top. What did you make of the of the formation, Jason? It's trying to, to find a way to piece together a defense. I mean, without Michael Parker, without Miles Robinson, you didn't have really any clear-cut options here. And Mikey Ambrose is a player who hasn't been in the 18 Fort Lane United at the first-team level since the Portland match. He made that trip, did not see the field, started against the Red Bulls on July 7th. But since that Portland match, he started nine matches for Atlanta United 2 and played extremely well in a variety of different roles and was always willing to make those trips and go play in those USL championship matches to stay sharp. And the reason why you stay sharp is because your opportunity might come. And tonight it did. 
and against a, a Philadelphia team that you knew was going to play four in the back, but you didn't know if they were going to go 4-4-2 diamond or 4-2-3-1 to start. You kind of figured they'd finish in the 4-2-3-1 because of Ilsenio substitution that always takes them there. Four in the back made a lot of sense for Atlanta United tonight. It made sense with the personnel, and you got strong performances from the two players that most people questioned coming in, Mikey Ambrose and Florentine Pogba. Yeah, uh, Atlanta United manager Frank DeBoer said another reason they liked this formation, they thought it matched up well with Philadelphia's. He wanted Pitti Martinez in the game to put pressure on uh, Madunian, who is not that great uh, defensively, and that kind of proved out on the first goal as Pitti and uh, Joseph and then Julian kind of passed around him until Pitti put Julian into space. He saw Andre Blake rushing out. He was surprised he came out so quickly. Uh, Julian said he had a choice to chip it or to try to go around him and get brought down for a penalty kick. He went with a chip, kissed the underside of the crossbar, and into the goal. Yeah, Pitti Martinez with a pass on that one. It's a pass that... Not many players in this league are going to make. Um, the whole sequence started with Mikey Ambrose involved. And it's Ambrose, it's Barco, it's Nagby, it's Pitti. It's a great sequence of build-up play from Atlanta United. And early in the match, it was difficult to find those phases of play because Philadelphia is a, a good, scrappy defensive team, and their 4-4-2 diamond makes it difficult to play through the middle. That was one of the few times that Atlanta was able to do it comfortably and Pitti delivered with the pass. Gressel, what a, what a finish. What a finish to have the composure to put it off the underside of the bar, chipping Blake. But the pass made Blake come off his line and gave Gressel the space to do it. Gressel delivers. You're up 1-0. And then, uh, you know, Philadelphia took a look. Probably, I think it's fair to say that was in the 10th minute. Philadelphia kind of, I thought, took control of the first half for the rest of the game or for the rest of the half, trying to get that tying goal. Atlanta United would get the ball a little bit, had some trouble breaking Philadelphia's press. They weren't getting the ball to Nagby a whole lot, who's kind of the one-man press breaker for Atlanta United, but that was kind of by design by Philadelphia. But they played concentrated defense. They, they kept their formation. They kept their responsibilities. Came in at halftime. Frank told them they were playing defense well. They came out in the second half. And then Atlanta United really kind of took control of the game, I thought. I thought it was a little more back and forth than that. The first half, I mean, Atlanta had more chances, more shots, more possession. I think what Philadelphia is so good at in that 4-4-2 diamond is just shutting down the middle of the field. That's why Nagby was either not seeing the ball much, and when he did, he had players on top of him immediately. He saw a couple giveaways, not so much from bad decisions by Nagby, just because he was crowded. There was no room to, to make anything happen. Philadelphia had good moments in the first half. They had good moments early in the second half. I feel like, honestly, and I understand why they make the substitution, Ilsenio is one of the most impactful players in this league coming off the bench. He's one of the most impactful players in league history coming off the bench. But you have to play a 4-2-3-1 with Ilsenio. You can't play him as a number 10. He's not mobile enough to play centrally. And by going away from the 4-4-2 diamond, that's when Atlanta really regained control of the game, I think for good in a lot of ways. Because then you were able to have those long, extended phases of possession that just grinded Philadelphia down and took every bit of energy they had left until you get the second goal. And when you don't have any energy, it's not a good thing to see Franco Escobar with the ball coming down the right side. And he did that over and over and over again 
tonight. Um, just I thought it was a fantastic performance by Escobar. I thought it was a fantastic performance by Pitti Martinez tonight. Um, the shot by Joseph Dorano said he almost fell down uh, when it went in because it was just such an unbelievably difficult shot. Um, so now Atlanta United gets to host uh, Toronto. Uh, they split the games this year. Atlanta United won 2-0 here at Mercedes-Benz. Toronto won 3-2 at BMO Field. That was the crazy game in which Toronto got a penalty kick at the very end, converted it. Atlanta United got a penalty kick after that, and Pitti Martinez missed it uh, to drop the points in that game. Uh, and missed it. I mean, it, it wasn't even close. Um, but coming back here, Atlanta United plays well at home and plays Toronto well here. Atlanta's been dominant at home. Um, 40 time, 41 times now, they've scored two goals in a match at home in all competitions. Out of those 41 matches, they've won 37 of them. You get two goals. You're not losing if you're Atlanta United. The only time they lost was Minnesota United with 10 men in 2017. Um, two of those draws, though, are Toronto. Mm-hmm. Two, two, two draws here in 17 and 18. Toronto has peaked at the right time. They got all of their pieces together. Finally, it took them forever to truly replace Giovinco and Victor Vasquez. They have now. They're They've played tough games. They've been a difficult team to beat. They haven't won a ton of games since August 3rd, but they haven't lost since August 3rd. They're going to fight tooth and nail on Wednesday to keep this thing going for them, an improbable run potentially to the MLS Cup Final. But some of the challenges that we saw tonight, Toronto presents the same type of challenge, and Michael Bradley is a big part of that. Harris Madunian has more passes than anyone in MLS this season, and one big part of the game that, that Frank DeBoer mentioned in his post-match comments was Pitti Martinez needed to put pressure on him, make him defend. But you also saw Pitti Martinez fairly consistently cut off the supply to Harris Madunian and forced Elliott and McKenzie to be the build-up players. They're not as good on the ball. They're not going to make those key decisions. They're not going to play those long passes that Madunian has. If Atlanta can replicate that and cut off the supply to Bradley, that's who Toronto plays through. They want him connecting 70, 80 passes in a game. If you keep him in the 40, 50 range, Atlanta wins. And a large percentage of those will go sideways and backward. Um, yeah, but they connect. And, I mean, that's the same for Medunian. But when you have a player who is the metronome for possession, wherever they're going, when you can take that away and make others play, then they don't know how they're building up. They, they don't know what the normal routines are. It's very important. So, I mean, it feels like nothing passes, but it's all part of those phases of buildup. And if you break them out of that cycle, you're going to have success you want to make Chris Mavinga have to pick out that long pass instead of Michael Bradley because your chances are Mavinga's not going to put it on somebody's foot like Bradley has. One thing that Toronto did very, very well at BMO Field, which they did well against NYCFC in their win in their game uh, Wednesday night, is uh, playing Pozuelo as kind of a false nine mm-hmm. and letting him go wherever he wants to go. That gave Atlanta United all sorts of issues at BMO Field. But now that they've seen it again, now that they've got more tape of it, I expect that they can probably defend it a little bit better because Toronto, I mean, could have been up 3-4 to nothing easy uh, in the first 10-12 minutes of that game in Toronto. 
Yeah, that was a, a real strange match. It was at a time where Atlanta United really could not get their rhythm after the international break. They had a couple of Open Cup games, but you were missing Joseph Martinez. It, it just it all felt very weird for Atlanta at that point. They they fought hard in that game, and they came back, and they, they were in it. But Toronto had a, some uncharacteristic chances that were gifted to them. Atlanta wasn't good enough on the night. This is a weird one where Pozuelo as a false nine is very difficult. The thing that makes you feel good about it from what we saw tonight was the communication between Ambrose, Pogba, Leandro Gonzalez-Pirez, and Escobar, and Lorenowitz, and Nagby, and Remedi when he came on because you saw players covering for one another. And Pozuelo as a false nine, he's going to try to make the center backs, tonight it was LGP and Pogba, come out and chase him because he wants to create that space for others to run into. They have to know when to step there, who's got their back, but also when to make sure that Lorenowitz knows that Pozuelo has come into his zone and he needs to pick him up. That was a game, I, I think also, they Frank tried to play Parkhurst as a right wing back, I think, in that game. And that was causing Atlanta United's defense a little bit of trouble because Parkey could not keep up. It was a rookie playing on the left side whose name I cannot remember. But Parkey could not keep up with him. And he kept getting down that left side and causing Atlanta United's defense. It wasn't a wing back because it was a, a four-man back line, but it was a right back. So it was, he was the right back yeah. in the four. It was, I knew it was on, he was on the yeah. outside, which is not a position that is his strength anymore um, compared to center back. Um, all right. What do you have upcoming? <laughs> uh, overreaction Friday, the uh, third one of the year, I think, because we had them after the Thursday games against Aridiano in CONCACAF. I think this is the third Thursday night match of the season. So overreaction Friday on the Soccer Down Here app, on SoccerDownHere.net, on Spreaker. Give us all your takes about tonight. Give us all your takes about El Trafico, all your takes about the MLS Cup playoffs. And we'll start looking ahead to Atlanta and Toronto on Wednesday. I can tell you one thing about El Trafico. LAFC's second goal should not have been allowed. <laughs> Two players were offside. The fact that the referee did not go and review that is inexcusable. I just don't understand it. Anyway, you're going to have all sorts of uh, copy from me from this game. I hope you'll look forward on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and please consider subscribing to the newspaper. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Atlanta United knocks Philadelphia out of the playoffs 2 to nothing here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, 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 oh,